Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is accessibility. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so I was recently at a Catholic funeral, and Mm -hmm. long-term listeners may remember I grew up Catholic. And what this funeral reminded me is how a church can really make people feel either included or excluded, depending on how the service goes. And let me tell you that if you attend a Catholic church and you don't know anything about it, you are going to feel silly not knowing when to stand up, sit down, fight, 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 and don't forget to (laughs) kneel at the appropriate time. And it really brought it all back to me how othering that can be. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you think worship, accessibility, and inclusivity is like these days for Central. It is something that we always need to be working on. You are never there. The moment that you think you are done working on inclusivity and accessibility, there will always be the next step to take. Well, I think you have to either bring somebody in who's never been a part of that church, or you have to go seek out other churches because it didn't even register to me what a Catholic service was like for a non-Catholic until my husband said something. (laughs) He was like, wow, how do you even follow where you are? And I'm all, I just have been doing it since I was born. I don't know. But there's, there's really no roadmap. You have to just know it or you don't. Yeah. And there's no book, there's no order of worship printed out and the pathway for knowing what to say when you have to learn just by showing up enough to know how to do it. Oh, they make a show of it. There is a book in the pew that has more than just the songs, but you have to dig deep to be able to figure out exactly where that information is. And for a funeral... I couldn't even find it. Oh, no. I probably could have figured it out for a regular Sunday service, but not for a funeral. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I have to say that for a funeral, I don't know that our hymnal has it easily accessible either. Because the parts and pieces of a funeral liturgy are not super accessible in our current hymnal. And some funerals, different rostered leaders do them in different ways at different spaces. There is kind of a traditional format, but we have so many options for prayers and so many different rubrics, so many different little pieces that you can choose from Mm -hmm. that I don't think even the Lutherans have it easily showing. Well, yeah, but then aren't you relying on other things that you do as the leader of this to make sure that people can follow along, right? Absolutely. And this is part of where we try to keep these things in mind is that how do we, especially in moments like funerals where there will be guests, where there will be individuals who are not either of our denomination or even particularly in the Pacific Northwest, Mm -hmm. people of Christian faith who are attending these kinds of services. What are the materials we prepare What are the ways that we lead? What are the verbal cues that we give in order to keep a service accessible and inclusive? And 
it goes across everything from the bulletins that we create. Our bulletins aren't necessarily artsy or pretty to look at. They're Mm -hmm. very kind of utilitarian. But with the staff that we have, the number of staff that we have and the amount of hours that we have, the amount of work that we need them to do, we don't spend a lot of time on that. I'm going to be honest with you. I remember I've attended certain churches in the past and the bulletin was more showy and more pretty. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it for all of an hour, one day, and then you're basically tossing it in the recycle bin, which is Mm -hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't need it to be showy. I just needed to tell me where I'm at. And I have to say that once I got here and being able to run off the bulletin and have the photocopier do all of the collating and stapling for us in the way that we do, rather than needing to have volunteers to fold and staple it and Uh do all that, it makes the work of it so much less so that we can focus on other things. Mm -hmm. We can focus on getting water out to houseless population, right? Like we can focus on other ministry things, not to knock a beautiful bulletin. They can be really important and really stunning. And we don't have the capacity for that in our congregation at this time. So where we put our energy in our bulletin is trying to give as much information as we can for inclusion and accessibility as we can. So we did start putting the scriptures back into the bulletin and printing all of the scriptures so that our members who have difficulty hearing will be able to read along. Mm -hmm. We increased since the pandemic We had been doing one size font bulletin and a large print bulletin. We started doing a larger print bulletin for everyone. Sure. Uh, We aren't printing as many of them anymore. And we just figured having one that we're doing and not having to redo that amount of work was easier on our staff, more streamlined publication. So it's just a larger print for everyone. We have worked very hard to put as much information in as possible about who says what when. But sometimes we still bugger it up. Yeah. This last season, I totally forgot to put the proper preface in. So this is the portion that goes right at the beginning of the communion liturgy where the rostered leader says, the Lord be with you. The congregation, community responds, and also with you, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. That's what it is to be Catholic. You would just know that and automatically say it, which stunned me a couple of times at the funeral that I'm like, oh, I guess I do kind of still know this routine. Uh And some of it has changed just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Just enough to keep you on your toes. Totally. And to make certain that the Protestants are recognized because they don't say end with your spirit because of change, right? Mm -hmm. But I made the mistake of not getting this proper preface, the Sursum Corda piece into the bulletin this last season. And so every Sunday I would get to the table and I would look at it and I just feel the inside of my heart go, ouch, because I would launch into it and I would do it. And our Lutheran crew know it well enough that 90% participate Mm -hmm. and 10% are left feeling like outsiders. Mm -hmm. And it would convict me every Sunday 
And then my Sunday morning brain would take over and the Swiss cheese would work and it would fly right out of my brain and I'd forget to fix the bulletin. It is fixed for the next season. So for the Sundays after Pentecost, it's fixed. We will have it properly taken care of for inclusion. But this is where I'm saying, like, we strive constantly. And when you think you're there is when you still have more to learn. How do you find that straddle between the hymnal and the bulletin? And then sometimes it's the person who's sitting around you who will pick up a book or a bulletin and <laughs> hand it to you and point to where you're at. Yeah, it's such a fine line, right? And I find it difficult. We used to use the hymnal so much more and... Now we're using the bulletin so much more mm-hmm. because we create the bulletin in full with the hymns printed in it because we have to have it for the cue sheet mm-hmm. and we have to have it for our online Zoom service. We create slides because, again, we're not just holding service in person. We're also holding it on Zoom and we're live streaming it. So for accessibility online, we want our online attenders to be able to participate as fully, and we want them to have as much closed captioning, in in a sense, as much Mm -hmm. visible as possible. Without having to print their own bulletin. Exactly. So anything that would be in the bulletin that we can, we've turned into a slide online to show so that people can participate at home, and then... It will also show online. So that means that the bulletin has everything inclusive in it and people are no longer picking up their hymnals as much. Mm -hmm. And I miss using the hymnal as much as we did pre-pandemic. In what way? Um, I think I just enjoyed flipping the pages. I think I just enjoy the weight of the hymnal. I don't know. There's something about it. I don't know. But then again, it also creates a learning curve for people because there's the page numbers in the front and the hymn numbers in the back. And there was a long explanation. So a piece, I think, that used to drive some of our regulars a little batty was that I would scan the room on a Sunday morning and I would see whether or not we had visitors. And depending upon if we had a a single visitor, If we had one single visitor in the room, one single person whose face I did not recognize meant I gave all of the instructions Mm -hmm. verbally on the Sunday morning. If I knew everyone in the room, if I had seen the faces before at least two Sundays, so they had already gotten instructions, then I wouldn't say the same instructions because everyone had been in the room previously. Mm Mm-hmm. So they knew how we were going to give communion at that point. They understood the page numbers by that point. Those kinds of pieces had already been explained to them. And so we could go on through the service without quite as much specific, spoken, inclusion, accessibility, that kind of talking. But if one person was in the room, then page numbers got explained and... Mm-hmm. How to come up for communion gets explained and rise now and body your spirit gets explained instead of just a hand gesture. Mm-hmm. Cause that's just how it goes. 
What do you think people are looking for these days in terms of inclusivity and accessibility? And do you think the Zoom live streaming is a part of that and helps? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Zoom and live streaming definitely help. For one, people can preview without purchasing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Like you can check us out on Facebook and decide whether or not you like what we're selling without ever having to step foot. You don't even have to log into the Zoom at that point, even with a dark box. You can just watch. Exactly. You can watch and find out and see what we're like. You can see whether or not we're inclusive with pronouns. You can see whether or not, like, you can find out so much about us and whether or not we would be a safe match for you without ever having to put your own personal self at risk. And that can be really huge for individuals who are who are looking for inclusivity and accessibility. Mm -hmm. When it comes to some of what we're talking about, there's also accessibility around disability. Yeah. And, and that's another whole topic of, is the building accessible for wheelchairs? Is the building accessible for walkers? How easy is it to get around all of that kind of conversation? Well, and you're playing back into your large print bulletin too. Mm-hmm. And how accessible is it for someone with hearing loss or for someone who might be deaf? I mean, there's a whole host of other accessibility that we hardly touch as a community. So there's always more to do. There's always more to learn. But I think people are looking for organizations and communities that are taking this seriously, that are trying, that continually look to learn, that continually reflect and examine and wonder and take feedback and incorporate it when we mess up, that apologize in reality and not just superfluous apologies, but significant real apologies, and then take action on those things and keep working, keep trying. I think no one wants to be made feel othered in a place where they're looking for a connection with the divine. Okay, let me take you back a little bit to when you were singing in the choir and you were at a Lutheran church for the first time. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? Did you feel like it was a welcoming thing or were you sitting there going, I have no idea why these people are saying what they're saying and singing what they're singing? It was helpful to me that at least in the Lutheran experience, there was a printed liturgy. Mm -hmm. So... My university used Now the Feast and Celebration as the liturgy setting. Mm -hmm. It's a Marty Haugen setting, and that was what we used. And so we had like a little pamphlet booklet that we used and held. And I really liked that it was consistent and I could learn it and that there was a pattern to it and there was a booklet I could follow. And it made sense Whereas the other churches that I had attended in the past that I had either been taken to by a friend or that I had gone to with my family of origin, that there hadn't seemed to be any rhyme or reason as to what happened when or why. And, and I didn't understand the bulletin might have had a scripture listed, but it didn't tell me what was going to happen when. 
the hymns that were going to be sung might have been listed up on a marker board or something, but I didn't know when we were going to sing the hymn. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, that is part of what I love about being a Lutheran is that we have this liturgy and that the liturgy gets written down somewhere. It gets created into a bulletin or it gets created into the hymnal that we can open and follow along with. And that feels really comforting to me, probably because it's something I could learn and then know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that goes well for me versus a place that is more freeform and things just kind of seem to happen, Mm -hmm. even though there is probably a rhyme and reason as to why things happen the way they they do in a Baptist church or a Church of Christ or one of the other denominations that I was probably taken to. Yeah, I had a similar experience having gone to the Catholic church, thanks to my father, weekly. And then Mm -hmm. the first time I went to a Lutheran church, I'm like, wait, I get a book I'm supposed to open and you're (laughs) you're handing me a list and I can see exactly what order things are in? Yeah. That's wild. (laughs) And the book, like the bold parts tell me what to say. Exactly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I loved that. As a teenager who liked being right Mm -hmm. and knowing what I was supposed to do, that was very comforting to me. Do you get a lot of feedback from people who are like, this is great and all, but I really could use this, this, or this to make it easier for me to navigate a service or make it through? In this congregation, it's actually individuals who are more interested in different kinds of language, different kinds of experiences with the language and styles. We have so many different kinds of individuals with different backgrounds within Mm -hmm. our community. There are some for whom a very traditional style really resonates and some for whom they want a much more freeform poetic style. Mm -hmm. And we have to try to find some kind of balancing the wide variety of needs of the community. And I I wonder sometimes if we're doing it or if we're ending up somewhere in the mishimash. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're in an interesting spot right now trying to discern. Maybe it's because we're in an interesting spot as a congregation trying to discern where the, the future path is. But it's an interesting position right now. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the one thing that you are most proud of Central for doing on this subject for both accessibility and inclusivity? Mm, I think what I am most proud of for this congregation is continually assessing, wanting the feedback, and being willing to shift and try again, and not holding so tightly to how things are or how we think things have to be Mm -hmm. or how you've always done something yeah that we aren't willing to say oh well to be able to include this we need to do this and therefore we will be doing it this way 
I mean, even when it comes to changing the way we serve communion, when it became about recognizing that there are members of the community that wouldn't be able to reach the altar rail because it is the one place in our building that is not ADA accessible Mm -hmm. because there are three steps to get up to it. The congregation just said, oh, okay, well, we'll commute on the floor level. Mm -hmm. Easy enough. And there was no hesitation or making certain that as soon as we needed to, we could provide celiac safe options for communion Mm -hmm. and learning how to do that and finding a pathway towards that. The fact that we want to do that and take the feedback and find the way to it, not in some like, look at us, we're so good, but in the way of being called in and needing to apologize and check our privilege and do better. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that we're able to do that. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about inclusivity and accessibility. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for joining us. If you have ideas about how any organization can grow in this area, share them with one another. Invite each other into this journey. We can all do this work together. And if you would like to reach out to us, you can do so at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.